This episode is brought to you by HP+. In a world full of smart devices, isn't it about time your printer got smart too? Now printing is smart with HP+. And the HP Smart app is how it all happens. You can print from your phone with just a tap, no matter where you are, even from your garage slash home office slash yoga studio. Huh, that is smart. HP+. Learn more about smart printing at hp.com slash smart. What's up, everybody, and welcome to our succinct Sunday Symposium here on MLB Morning Coffee, a production of the Athletes Unfiltered Podcast Network and recorded at the Ocean Avenue Studios in San Francisco, California. On these Sunday shows, our goal is going to be to just talk openly about certain things that are going on in baseball right now. And I want to talk about a few things in particular today, the first being how terrible all of baseball is at hitting. Today is Mother's Day, so happy Mother's Day to all of the moms out there. But on Mother's Day 2021, just over a month into the season, we already have four no-hitters in baseball, and we almost had five. So let's recap. In April, we started off with Joe Musgrove, then Carlos Rodon less than a week later. Earlier in this past week, John Means threw a no-hitter for Baltimore, then followed up on Friday night by the Reds' Wade Miley, who no-hit the Indians. And while that no-hitter concluded, Oakland's Sean Manaya had six innings of perfect baseball against Tampa Bay and seven innings of no-hit baseball against Tampa Bay. His no-hitter was broken up in the eighth inning. So we almost had five no-hitters within the first 31 days of the Major League season. And there are some great stats in regards to what this no-hitter actually means. So from Sarah Langs of MLB Research, there have been four no-hitters this season, and it's May 7th. The only other season in MLB history with four-plus no-hitters through May 7th was 1917. Think about that. Through this point in the season, the only other time that there had been this many no-hitters was over a hundred years ago in what still too many is considered the dead ball era. This stat is apropos of almost nothing, but it's still pretty cool. There have been four no-hitters on the date May 7th in history. There was a no-hitter by Mike Fires of the A's against the Reds in 2019 on May 7th. So the irony of that is that the Reds had a no-hitter tonight, and the A's almost had a no-hitter tonight. So the A's almost had a no-hitter on the same date in two of the last three seasons, and in all reality, because there was no baseball on May 7th last year, it would have been two consecutive May 7ths in which baseball had been played. But in any event, I think it's pretty cool that there have been four no-hitters on the date May 7th. The others, Justin Verlander in 2011, and a man by the name of Jesse Barnes in 1922, and that was 99 years ago. So I think that we're almost getting to the 100-year point, Astonishing that we've had four no-hitters on the same date, and we almost had five if Manaya had been able to complete his. Another great stat from Sarah Langs, and this didn't happen, but it could happen at some point this season, given that it has happened before. There have only been two times in Major League Baseball history that multiple no-hitters have been thrown on the same day. It was Dave Stewart and Fernando Valenzuela on June 29, 1990. Stewart with the A's, Valenzuela with the Dodgers, 
And then all the way back on April 22nd, 1898, Theodore Brettenstein and Jay Hughes both did it as well. And if you really want to talk about the no-hitter madness, let's talk about it from the Cleveland Indians perspective. They're the third team in Major League Baseball history to be no-hit twice within their first 31 games of a season, joining the 1917 White Sox, who, by the way, went on to win the World Series that year, and the 1884 Pittsburgh Alleghenies of the then-known American Association. So Cleveland got no-hit by the White Sox and then got no-hit by the Reds. I also want to talk about this from Terry Francona's standpoint. Terry Francona had managed over 3,000 games in his managerial career without being no-hit. And he got no-hit twice in the span of 21 days. Baseball is absolutely crazy. And the Indians are the eighth team in Major League Baseball history to be no-hit twice in a single-season, 21-game span or shorter. The last time it happened, the Mariners got no-hit twice in the span of 19 days in 2019. I love the no-hitter. I think it's one of the more unique achievements in all of sports. But I think it's very odd that we have four no-hitters at this point in the year. You can say that pitching is as good as it's ever been, but you can also say that hitting is as incomplete as it's ever been. Every team at this point in the year has played at least 30 games except for the Washington Nationals. There are only four teams with a team batting average above 250 at this point in the year. They are the Boston Red Sox at 269, the LA Angels at 261, the Houston Astros at 259, and the Chicago White Sox at 255. Here are your bottom five in team batting averages, all below 220. The Oakland A's are hitting at 219. The Milwaukee Brewers are hitting at 218. The Detroit Tigers at 212. The Cleveland Indians at 210, hence they've been no hit twice. And even though they're in second place in the American League West, the Seattle Mariners are hitting 207. 207. You cannot expect a team to compete when they have a team batting average of 207. But let's look at the strikeouts, because I think the strikeouts tell a huge story of this as well. Offensively, the Tampa Bay Rays have the most strikeouts in all of baseball, 365. They are averaging 10.4 strikeouts per game on offense. Where I come from, in the era where I come from, if your team is averaging over 10 strikeouts per game, that means you have something seriously wrong with the fundamentals of your offense. I understand that we're in the launch angle revolution, but if you're striking out over 10 times per game, there's something seriously wrong with the way that the game is being played. And at this point, there are 11 teams that have over 300 strikeouts at this point. 11 teams. And I'm going to take the San Francisco Giants because they're team number 11. They're averaging 9.3 strikeouts per game. The team with the fewest amount of strikeouts in all of baseball is the New York Mets with 228. And through 30 games of their season, that's 7.6. It's a little bit more acceptable. But still, we're in a range where over a third of the teams in all of baseball are striking out over nine times a game. This is the product of the launch angle revolution. 
And the way that I view it, if a team is striking out over 10 times per game, that means that organizationally, they don't see any problem with striking out that many times per game because their organizational philosophy is telling them to stick to their guns on how they instruct each hitter to approach every at-bat. It is asinine to me that it is acceptable to be striking out this many times. Now, I'm not one that normally wants to go into a plethora of advanced statistics, but I do want to examine baseball savants with percentage profile. Now, for those of you listening at home or wherever you may be listening, in the car or on a hike or wherever you might be going, whiff percentage is effectively the percentage of swings that are made where there is zero contact. So let's say a batter takes four swings. He fouls two of them off, he swings and misses at one of them, and he puts one of them in play. His whiff percentage would be 25%. Whiff percentage is a great indicator for how the modern baseball player attacks every at-bat. But it doesn't do our argument any good if we just talk about the whiff percentages from this year alone. So I went to StatCast, and I went to the Major League Baseball collective page for whiff percentage. This is the aggregate of all of Major League Baseball in regards to whiff percentage. And I did it from the years 2015 to 2021. Now, I'm not going to read you every quadrant because you'd get bored and you'd shut off this podcast, but I want to give you some estimates from around the strike zone and the quadrants just above and just below the strike zone because that will give us our clearest indicator for how the at-bat has changed from 2015 to now. So let's go to 2015 first. In regards to how Baseball Savant and StatCast measure the strike zone, there are four vertical quadrants and four horizontal quadrants. So there are 16 touch points that are considered the strike zone. So in 2015, the top part of the strike zone quadrant, the whiff percentages ranged from 20% to 22%. The quadrant below, 13% to 15%. The next quadrant below, 10% to 15%, and the quadrant below that, 15% to 24%. Now, the 24% was the low inside strike on right-handed hitters and the low outside strike on left-handed hitters. The quadrant just above the strike zone ranged from 30% to 35%, and the quadrant just below the strike zone ranged from 38% to 49%, again with that 49% being that low inside strike on right-handed hitters. In 2016, the numbers are about the same. Top part of the strike zone, 21 to 22%. The middle parts of the zone, 13 to 16%. The next part of the zone, 11 to 16 The lowest part of the strike zone, 18 to 25%. Now, the launch angle revolution starts to come into play in 2017. So let's take a look there. Top part of the zone, still 21%. Middle part of the zone, 13 to 16%. Where it gets a little bit higher is the lower part of the zone, where it elevates from 20% to 29%, with that 29 being the low inside portion. And the top zone just above is 29% to 31%. On to 2018. This is where you start to see the numbers get a little bit more drastic outside the zone on both sides. That quadrant just above the strike zone, 31 to 35%. The top quadrant of the strike zone, 21 to 22%. 2019, we're getting further into the launch angle revolution. 
the top part of the strike zone, 23 to 24%. That's your whiff percentage. So players on the top portion of the strike zone are whiffing 23 to 24% of the time. That means that balls in the strike zone, the top part of the strike zone, letter high, they're whiffing 25% of the time collectively or just about. That middle part of the strike zone, that letter high part of the strike zone, the whiff rate is 15 to 18% in 2019. In 2015, the whiff rate there was 13 to 15%. So in the span of four years, you went from 13% to 16% in that quadrant, which you're thinking, okay, a 3% increase, is that really that big of a difference? Well, when you're talking about 30 Major League Baseball teams and around 750 players, it makes a big difference because the sample size is huge across 750 players, probably more. And when we talk about that zone just above the strike zone, that whiff rate increased to 37% in 2019. In 2015, it was at 34%. And you want to go all the way back to the beginning of the StatCast era? You want to know where that was? That part of the strike zone in 2008 was at 25%. And that's not even the strike zone. I shouldn't have said the strike zone. The quadrant just above the strike zone, the whiff percentage was 25% in 2008. And in 2019, that same section all the way up to 37%. In 2020, that part increased to 40% collectively. And the top quadrant of the strike zone increased to a flat 25% across all four touch points. And that letter high? That increased to 16% collectively. And how about 2021? In 2021, the collective of the top part of the strike zone has increased to 27%. And the zone just above that, the whiff percentage just above the strike zone, is at 40%. And in 2008, 13 years ago, that was at 25%. That's why Major League Baseball is on the pattern it is right now. Because you're having players on balls just above the letters whiffing 40% of the time. Where 13 years ago, they were only whiffing 25% of the time. And in the top part of the strike zone, in 2008, they were whiffing 15% of the time. Now, they're whiffing 27% of the time. That's a 12% increase over 13 years. That's why strikeouts are as high as they've ever been. Before I went on to the Baseball Savant whiff percentage page, I told you that the Tampa Bay Rays are leading the major leagues in strikeouts per game at 10.4. Let's put my theory to the test. I went back to 2008, and I found the league leader in strikeouts. It was the Florida Marlins. And how many per game did the Florida Marlins average over the course of 161? They only played 161 games that year. 8.5. The New York Mets this year, who have the lowest strikeout rate in baseball, average 7.6. So the team with the highest strikeout rate in baseball in 2008 is averaging less than a strikeout more per game than the team that has the lowest strikeout rate this year. That is crazy. 
Also, one quick note before I give you the next statistic that'll make you want to set your hair on fire. I should have actually used my example as 2009 because the Arizona Diamondbacks had the highest strikeout rate in the league that season, and that was only 8.01. So that was only 0.4 higher than the New York Mets this year at the lowest strikeout rate in the league. And by the way, in 2009, the lowest strikeout rate in the league was also the New York Mets. And guess what their strikeout rate was? It was 5.7. 5.7 was the lowest strikeout rate, and this year it's 7.6. But here's the one that just takes the cake for me. The major league record for most strikeouts in a single season by an offense came from the Detroit Tigers in 2019. They struck out 1,595 times. That's a strikeout rate of 9.9 per game. They played 161 games in 2019. So they didn't get to 10, but they were almost at 10. 9.9 per game. Needless to say, based on that number, no team has ever averaged over 10 strikeouts per game on offense. Why do I bring that up? Because on May 9th, 2021, if the rates stayed the same, this does not include the rates from last year. I'm not counting last year as a part of any of this because it was only a 60-game season. But if all of the strikeout rates stay the same, you will have not one, but three teams become the first teams to ever average over 10 strikeouts per game in a full season. That would be the Tampa Bay Rays, the Detroit Tigers, and the Milwaukee Brewers. Two of the three who are playoff contenders. So think about that. You've got the worst team in the league in the Detroit Tigers, but then you also have two of the three better teams in their respective leagues that could set new strikeout rate records. That's where the game of baseball is at right now. We have fallen so in love with the launch angle, exit velocity, three true outcome revolution that we may collectively have the most strikeouts as a league ever. Not since whatever year, ever. We've never had a team average over 10 strikeouts per game in a single season. We're on pace to have three. And I should have mentioned the Philadelphia Phillies, the Texas Rangers and the Chicago Cubs are all percentage points away from crossing that 10 per game threshold. So there's a possibility we could get to six. So to my original point, no hitters are awesome, but there's a reason why we are seeing as many no hitters as we are. There's a reason why we are seeing pitching that is unrivaled to any year in baseball history at this point. Hitters don't care about what they used to care about. They don't care that they're striking out at record paces. All they care about is high home run rates and high OPS. And while it's understandable why those metrics help teams win, strikeouts are not productive outs. A strikeout doesn't move a runner along. A strikeout doesn't improve your chances of scoring a run. A double play ground ball will score a run, a strikeout will not. 
It is the acceptable sacrifice that players have made in order to take advantage of the launch angle revolution. Take, for instance, Joey Gallo. Because Joey Gallo is the best example of this. So far this season, Joey Gallo has six home runs in 34 games. That's a home run rate, if we do the math on this, of .17 homers per game. Over the course of 162, that's 28 and a half home runs. So that's 29 homers. It's a good year, homer-wise. But he has 51 strikeouts in 34 games. That's 1.5 strikeouts per game, which over the course of 162 amounts to a grand total of 243 strikeouts. That is an unacceptable figure. And here's why it's an unacceptable figure. Because Joey Gallo, at this point, is on pace to have 543 at-bats this season. His strikeout rate would be 45% of his total at-bats. 243 divided by 543 is 44.7. Round that up, that's 45. If you think baseball is good... When your young stars are striking out 45% of the time, there is a problem with your game. And thank you for coming to my symposium here on Sunday, May 9th, 2021. This has been a presentation of MLB Morning Coffee, a proud production of the Athletes Unfiltered Podcast Network, recorded at the Ocean Avenue Studios in San Francisco, California. We will have more for you throughout the week. I want to talk about Carlos Rodon's dominance so far, the absolute blunders that have become the world of Tony La Russa, and a few other worthwhile baseball topics. But we'll save that for during the week. Thank you for listening to this edition of MLB Morning Coffee's Succinct Sunday Symposium. Have a great Mother's Day and a happy Mother's Day to all of the moms out there. Have a good one, everybody.